Oh, thank you, Lord. Jesus, this group of people and me, we love you. You've been mighty good to us. You've been so good to us. So good. All your promises are yes and amen. Come on. Lord, you're good. And we love you and we worship you. And as we look to your word to grow, to be transformed, to be empowered, to be launched out, to become like Jesus in our world, we pray that you would right now by your spirit speak strongly to us. Lord, we've come in one way, we'd like to leave another. Another way. Filled with your spirit freshly, empowered by your word, instructed in the ways of righteousness, with hope. With faith as a shield, the word of God as a sword, our feet prepare with the gospel of peace, helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness on us, Lord God, continue to move amongst us this morning. Amen. I just feel good. So we're starting, as I told you in my email that Christian was referencing, a, a new series as we, as we kind of are on the, the takeoff pattern for Easter. In five Sundays, it'll be Easter Sunday, and we're starting a series today called Let All Things Rise. It's um, based in large, I think, upon the words of that song that we've been introduced to recently. I'm, I'm hoping the worship teams will probably sing that a couple times in the next Five weeks, and I'm going to read the lyrics to you in a bit, but I want to start with a picture that maybe you've seen since your childhood. It's an old picture, and um, it's an optical illusion. And some, who, who sees the young, beautiful woman in that picture? Who sees the old hag? Can you old hag seers see the young, beautiful lady? Can you young, beautiful ladies people see the old hag? Did you just see it? Yes. So you can't see it over there yet, can you? Perspective is everything, you guys. So the beautiful lady is looking off to her right over her shoulder, and the dark thing right there is her necklace. The old hag is looking this way, and what was the chin of the beautiful lady is actually the nose. And that's her mouth, that thing that looks like a necklace, that's her mouth. Are you seeing the, the old lady yet? Daria's not yet. Somebody help Daria where to look. <laughs> uh, it's fun watching you guys try to figure this out. <laughs> so both pictures are there right now. And this is, there's a lot of stuff we could learn from a picture like this, but uh, one thing, is, oh, someone said, oh, I see it. <laughs> Well, that's what the picture calls her. I've been told that that's the description. Would you like another description for her? The seasoned elderly woman. Okay. Let me just say it. All of us have worth. Everyone wins a prize. Thank you. Feel better now. (laughs) 
So perspective is important, and both pictures are there at the same time. And Jesus taught something fairly new in his parables about the kingdom of God. When Jesus came to this earth, well, actually 30 years after he came to this earth, he began to preach a message. He said, the kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. And it was here. But at the same time, the kingdom of darkness was here. Both are here. And the people of his day expected that when the kingdom of God would come, according to the prophet Daniel, it would be like a rock that was pulled out of a mountain without hands, and it came and crushed all the other kingdoms in a moment. They were pulverized, and now the kingdom of God was established, and all evil was wiped out. And Jesus surprised them, and he told them in parables, uh-uh, it's actually like a man that planted a good field, and while everyone was asleep, an enemy came in and planted weeds, tares among the wheat, and they both grew up together. And the servant said, should we come and take the weeds out, the tares out? And he said, no, no, let them both grow together. And we're in a time of world history where they're both growing together. And what I want to talk about today in this series on All Things Rise has to do with the goodness of God that is here, that is everywhere, and how having a perspective to see the goodness of God can actually, can actually empower you and me to live differently. You with me? Does it make sense already? Okay, so, <laughs> preach it, brother. Let's look at these lyrics this song, I put them in your notes. Did you notice, if you didn't know, you have something that looks like this, which is uh, maybe something is important. There's verses in there that, that you hear today and then you want to remember. This will help you maybe pull out a pen and write on it or write in your Bible. Pull out your Bible if you want. Actually, let's look at this quote first from A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer is a brilliant preacher of uh, the last century, we can say, because it was in the 1960s, I think, that he was primarily preaching. He said an interesting thing in one of his books. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Quick, think about God. What came to mind? Abba, Abba Father. That's beautiful. That, I mean, that will impact your existence. If the first thing that you think about God is, he is my papa, daddy, God. What were some other things you said? Love and honor. Love and honor. You guys are in good shape. Say one truth. See, if, all your, if your immediate thought was the one who judges sinners, which is true. But if that's the first thing that you think of, it will affect how you approach God and how you live, won't it? Redeemer. Yeah. It's all about perspective, isn't it? They're all true, but the very first thing that you think about might impact how you approach him, how you approach your life in the world. So now let's look at um, these lyrics. A guy by the name of Sam Yoder. I met his brother a few weeks ago. I was having some food with him in Chicago. And um, figured out, wow, his brother is like, an amazing songwriter. Sam Yoder wrote the words and the music to this song we've been singing. And this is a song that captures the arc of the whole Bible from Genesis creation to Revelation, new creation. And I love it when songs preach the word for us 
It helps you get the word and the truth in you. Sometimes just singing the scripture is helpful. Um, but this is one of those sound theological songs that you may have thought was an old hymn when you first heard it because it has the flavor of an old hymn. Verse 1, God, how beautiful your holy word that formed the worlds in such goodness. Oh, the shame that we would spurn it all to turn and fall into darkness. God will sing how through your Son you turned this loss and hurt into glory. How when scorned in death you raised him up, his gains become the whole world's story. So let all things rise and bless your name. All things made right and new again. Oh Lord, your, our God, this next phrase is what we're talking about today. Your goodness is free and boundless. It's reaching endless throughout all, through it all. And on this road, with every step we take, your faithfulness is our portion. You've prepared a city bright and fair whose gates forever stay open. We're already in the book of Revelation there, talking about the new Jerusalem, when God is on earth and there's no need to close the gates to this city. Son of God, in you we've taken up the way of love's occupation. This is how we're living today, the way of love's occupation. Oh, to share in your reward the stunning turn of new creation. Folks, if you don't know, this is stunning. God created the world in goodness. Man came in and listened to a liar and turned the world into darkness and destruction and immediately God had a plan to redeem the world and turn our loss into his glory and our joy. And we get to share in the joy of God's turning this loss into new creation and that's what we're headed toward and living in and tasting of even now as we experience the powers of the kingdom of God breaking into our present age. That's good preaching, Ron. <laughs> and then when it all ends, when God, when Jesus says, and when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne at the renewal of all things, I love it when Jesus says that. And then in the, the um, Revelation, the last chapter, when it says all sorrow and mourning and death has been taken away. The old order of things has passed and he's made all things new. It will be said, oh Lord, you've made yourself a home. Heaven and earth together have come as one, the new heavens and the new earth. All things once sown in weakness. Speaking at least in one dimension of the humble death of the creator, savior, God sown in weakness like a seed, but raised in promise. Your beauty arches above it all, and it's the story of Jesus, and it's the story of our lives. As our lives are sown in humility and weakness, but raised in the new resurrection of Jesus Christ's life in us, with power and glory, and the word that came to your mind, redemption. We're living in redemption. So, what we're talking about is the goodness of God that's free and boundless. Are you ready? Yeah. Isn't that a great song? Man, the first time I heard that, I was like, ooh, just got me up out of my seat. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. It's actually one of the primary revelations of God in the Old Testament and certainly in the New Testament. 
it just if you don't know this, you need to understand the history, the real history of this world. The world after beginning in the Garden of Eden and the sinfulness of Adam and Eve passed to their children. In the first generation, there was the first murder. And things got dark. Things got confused. Eventually, God said, no one seeks me, not anyone, but this one guy, Noah, and his family. I'm going to wipe the entire planet out and start again, which is a preview of what's going to happen at the end of the time. He did it with the flood, then he's going to do it with fire at the end of the age. Wiped it out. And so started with a righteous family. It wasn't long before they were unrighteous again. And redemption story began its long path. And God found a man named Abram. Abram, you know, Abram who became Abraham and chose him. And he was a friend of God. In Abram's time, what was developing around the world that you see from time to time, if you just even do a little history, or if, you're, if you have children who read those books that have all the Roman mythology in them, the books whose title I've completely forgotten right now. Someone yell it to me if you know. They're, Reardon is the... Say it again. Percy Jackson. All the demigods. In the world of the gods of Zeus and Thor... And, um, oh, you see that if you watch the Avengers. There's some of that going on. That story has gods that are violent. They have all the weaknesses of man large. They cheat each other. They create turmoil. And that was the worldview of the world. Gods that people created with idols and then worshipped. They were actually demonic in their essence, the Bible teaches us, in that world where there's chaos and disorder, God breaks in in Abraham's life and shows the way of the true God who is good and not a monster like the gods they all worshipped. The gods they all worshipped demanded blood, their own children. It was, it was violent and evil and terrible, and now God shows up and his goodness is brought to the world scene, first in Abraham, and then with a promise that his children would follow him and that nations would rise out of him. It's world history. So by the time we get to Solomon, the son of David, building the temple for God, Solomon's temple, um, advertisement, that Solomon's temple uh, display, is that going yet or coming soon to Calvary Chapel Oceanside? They have a a recreation, life-size actual of the Solomon's temple or, or the tabernacle, very similar to structure. Is it the tabernacle? Okay, it's like Solomon's temple in its preview in a tent form that Moses put in the wilderness. We should go and see that. Um, look at Calvary Chapel Oceanside's website. They do a brilliant job. You can experience what the children of Israel did. Anyway, Solomon now builds a temple, not unlike Moses' tabernacle, and he prays this prayer, Now arise, O Lord. And come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. You know the ark of the covenant, where there's the Ten Commandments and the rod that budded and the jar of manna. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, we'll talk later. These are important stories in our history. And the ark of your might. May your priests, O Lord, be clothed with salvation. May your saints rejoice in your goodness. Oh, God is good, and may the people that know him rejoice in his goodness because his goodness is being revealed. In um, the story of Moses, going back um, at the tabernacle time, Moses is asking God to show him his glory. 
and it's recorded in Exodus 33. Moses says to God, now show me your glory. And he said, God, you haven't told me who's going to go with us when we go into the promised land. And God says, my presence, my Holy Spirit will be with you and guide you just like he is with us. And in response to Moses' question of your glory, God responds with his goodness. The Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I'll proclaim my name, my name, which is the essence of who I am. Yahweh is the word that Moses got, which is a, a word. You've heard Yahweh, that phrase, right, that word? Um, Yahweh, sometimes translated, I am that I am. It's, a, it's like the verb to be. I was, I am, and I always will be. The one who is breaking into your situation. I'm the one who breaks into history to bring the powers and the goodness of heaven to earth and make things right and bring things into shalom and beauty the way I did at the beginning in your garden. That's what Yahweh means. So, so Yahweh passes in front of Moses proclaiming, we read in English, the Lord, the Lord. Hebrew is Yahweh, Yahweh. Here's the nature of God. The compassionate, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and generations, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. This is God, and here's, that was the grace part. Here's the truth part, yet he does not leave <coughs> the guilty unpunished. He punishes children with the sins of the father in the third and fourth generation, and that is just a description of the way the world works. If you didn't know, if you haven't seen in families what happens when a father turns his way to follow evil, it affects his children, it affects his grandchildren, it affects his great child grandchildren. Some of you live in families where you know you actually have lived in the hell that's the result of your great-grandfather's choices. And that's, what, that's all that's saying there. But God is good. Psalm 100, another one. Um, the psalmist is talking about praising God. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his course with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations. So we're talking about the goodness of God. I'm trying to begin to describe that it's free and boundless. It wasn't known. It was revealed in the Old Testament, especially with Abraham. But it was woven through creation. You'll remember, if you've read the Genesis account, God will create something and saw that it was good. Remember that? God saw all that he'd made. It was very good. So... Here's a key point for me and you, which is why I showed the picture of the two things that you could see at once. Because God's goodness is free and without bounds, we always have reason for faith, for hope, for love, and for joy, no matter how bleak the world around us seems. Because God's goodness is free and boundless. If we will see it, we can be empowered to have faith and hope and love and joy no matter how bleak the world is around us. Now you can choose to look at the bleakness and darkness and make that the only thing you see. And if you do that, you are not going to be fun to be around. You're going to be Debbie Downer. Sorry if your name's Debbie, that was just a character. Um, was that Saturday Night Live back in, the, back in the way days, in the way back machine? 
Donnie Downer. David Downer? I don't know, some D name. You're going to be a downer if all you see is the bleak and the darkness. And is the bleakness and darkness true? Well, yes. Is the goodness of God true? Yes. How do you extinguish darkness? Oh, with light. How do you overcome evil? With goodness. I thought you fight fire with evil. I fight fire with fire. So if we want to deal with evil, we should deal, fight it with evil? No, you overcome darkness with light. You overcome evil with goodness. That's the point of what we're talking about, okay? So, God has filled the world with beauty. We're kind of developing our thinking about this now. In Romans, Paul says that God has made his invisible qualities, his internal power, his divine nature, visible to everybody. They're clearly seen, being understood from creation, so that people are without excuse when they turn their backs on God. If you've forgotten how good God is, hello, you live in oceans, or you're in Oceanside. I don't know if you live here. There's an ocean. That's why it's called Oceanside. And you ought to go watch a sunset, and you will know that God is good. And you will see, oh yeah, the world may be dark, but God is good. It's in his creation. It's his signature. And it's a beautiful signature. He also is actively looking for connection and relationship with people. Isn't that good? So Paul, the apostle, ended up in Athens where people were worshiping all those gods I mentioned. And he saw all these idols everywhere. He could not believe how religious with idolatry the Greeks were. He was astounded. He even found an idol that said, this is to the unnamed God, just in case they'd missed a God with all their millions of idols. And he came and he spoke at the Areopagus, Mars Hill, where the philosophers gathered. And he began to tell them, I'm going to tell you about your unnamed God. I know who he is. Have you ever read that? It's in, it's in Acts 17. At the end of that talk, he tells these people, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not live in temples built by hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. How good is God? From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined... Are you listening to this amazing statement? And God, who made everybody and decided on the nations, split them up into nations, determined the time set for them, the exact places where they should live. You're, if you're an American, apparently God chose you to be an American. If you're a Mexican, God chose you to be a Mexican. If you're English, God chose you to be from the UK. God, and why did he do that? I'm glad you asked. Paul told us. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him. Though he's not far from each one of us, for in him we live, and in him we move, and in him we have our being. Now, so, this is sort of a logical procession, progression, that's the word I want. God's goodness is still all through the world. Evil is all through the world. You can focus on bleakness and darkness, or you can focus on the goodness. And here's the next step in this thinking. 
if I seek goodness anywhere, I can go, oh, <laughs> there's God. See, the kingdom of God is not just in church buildings where people that know him are worshiping him. God has set eternity in the hearts of people. You can find the kingdom of God at work in the craziest places in the lives of people who have no idea that God's at work in them and through them. Because they're made in the image of God. It's been marred by sin and the sinful choices of humanity. But God's mark is still on humanity. This is a Christian view, by the way, that's really important for our worldview, that changes everything. Why we can say a particular sin is wrong and not hate the person or say the person is worthless because they sin. Because we believe that everybody is made in the image of God and has worth because of how they were created. They were not made in the image of primordial soup that happened to have a couple atoms bump into each other and turn into amoeba who crawled out of the sea and became a, I don't know, a dinosaur that turned into a man after he was a monkey. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, I guess. But, let's see, from the goo to the zoo and then to you. That's one creation story. My creation story is that God created man and woman. In the image of God, he created them, and therefore they have value. And therefore, I can still say, that thing you're doing is sinful, but you have worth but it's marred your image, and if you would live according to God's way, you will live in more fullness. And you need to, that's just a side that was not in the notes. That's for free, okay? Because you and I live in a culture that says if we do not actively promote someone's choices, we must be against them. Your culture says that so that if you say anything about behavior that's sinful, you're marked a hater, right? And it's just, it's a False, false logic. I'm not a hater of you. I love you. But I love you, so I'm going to tell you that what you're doing is hurting yourself. Back to, this, back to the goodness of God. So I can look for goodness and go, oh, I recognize that. God's sneaking around. And he's at work in your life. I think Jesus did that. So uh, just a verse, because we like the scripture. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. The heavenly lights, that's the stars, the Father that made the stars and named them. Who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now, if we were watching a television show, we would stop for a 15-second commercial break, which I'm going to do because I forgot to tell you something. Don't forget to sign up for Bread of Life in the lobby today. I just saw Vanita and went, I was supposed to say that and forgot that. Bread of Life in two weeks will be showing the goodness of God to some people that are hungry. Back to the story. Now we return to our regular scheduled programming. You and I, in bold, I think I put this in your notes, need a revelation of the free 
and boundless goodness of God. We need a revelation. A revelation is when something that was hidden is made visible to us. When something that was unknown is made known to us. When you read in the Bible about mysteries, what it means is something that was before not known, but God has now revealed it to those who are seeking him. We need a revelation of the free and boundless goodness of God so that we live from a different narrative. If your narrative is from CNN, if your narrative is from Fox News, if your narrative is from MSNBC, if your narrative is from those newscasters who are looking for bad stories because they get ratings, your narrative is not going to be very helpful. If we know that God has not left us, his goodness is free and boundless, and his kingdom is at work in our world today, we will then be hopefully able to see it and bless it and step into it. We will be able to be empowered to joyfully run into the harvest. Just let that sink in a little bit. Think about your life. Strolling through life. Kind of paying attention now. And suddenly I see some goodness. And I recognize, oh, I know, I know where that came from. That didn't come from Satan. That didn't even come from the will of humanity. That kindness I just saw, that's an echo of the presence of God. He's at work. He's actually at work. I need to pay attention. I need to dive into that spark of goodness that says God is around and he wants me to fan the flame of the spark of goodness that he's set somewhere in my path. And now I can bring the power of the goodness of Jesus Christ and the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit and fan that little spark into flame until the kingdom of God begins to get established in that little area. Does that make, does that make sense? You following me That I think that's a way to live. Did you know that it doesn't take any great brilliance or wisdom to see things that are wrong? Everyone I know can do that. It's not discernment to see everything that's wrong with everything and everybody. Just open up your web browser and you'll see what's wrong with somebody. That's not a gift of the Spirit. It's not such great wisdom to criticize, to talk around with your friends about how bad stuff is. I do it. We like to do it. It doesn't seem to help. Think about how Jesus walked around a really wicked place and fanned into flame the kingdom of God all around him. I think you and I can do that. It's a, it's a perspective like that first picture. How you doing? In John chapter 4, we have the recording of a story where Jesus walks into an area 
that is considered by all of his Jewish friends from Israel. Remember, Jesus is Jewish. The chosen people, the people of God, through whom comes the Messiah, through whom come the promises of God, through whom come the word of God, blessing to all nations, through the Jewish people, great people, the Ten Commandments, the Old Covenant, the Messiah. They had a group of people called the Samaritans that they thought were the wicked, evil, no good, nothing good can happen in Samaria. And Jesus comes into that area and he sees a woman who has not lived a good life. And he asks her for a drink of water, which is a cultural misstep. It's a faux pas. A man doesn't ask a woman to talk to her in public. That's, you know, they're not family. And he shouldn't drink from something she's touched because that will make him ceremonially unclean because she is not only a sinful woman, she's a Samaritan sinful woman. That's the story. Jesus engages her and talks with her about the kingdom of God. And he discovers that the kingdom of God has already been happening around her and drawing her. And she begins to ask questions about how to worship. Who would ask such a question but someone on whom the Spirit of God is breathing and moving and drawing? She's like fruit on a tree that's been ripening by the hand of God. Jesus, as the harvester, comes to the fruit and sees that it's ripe and presents to her who the Messiah is. And her eyes are open and she believes. Have you ever read that story in John 4? While he's doing that, his disciples are off in the city trying to get some food for him. Because he said, I'm hungry. So they went to get some food. Now they come back and they see him talking with the woman. They're like, oh, what's wrong here? Now remember, that as the story goes... He says, she says that she wants basically to know more about how to follow God. And he says basically to her, well, go get your husband and we'll talk more. And she goes, well, I'm not married. And he goes, well, that's true. You've had five men and the one you're living with right now is not your husband. And she goes, oh, okay. <laughs> Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. <laughs> Remember this story? <laughs> and, and he doesn't slam dunk her with the law of God. He sees that she's hungry, that God's been at work ripening a fruit, and he brings her into his kingdom. And then she goes back to town, and she tells everyone, come and meet a man who told me all about myself. Could he be the Messiah? And she is already preaching the gospel to a city. And now the town folk are coming out to the well outside the city. They're streaming out. And he's talking with his disciples as people are streaming out of the gates of the city to the well. And he says to them, um, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Do you not say four months more than the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. I think right then people are streaming. He goes, open your eyes and look. See all those people? The fields, they're ripe for harvest. Even now, and this was absolutely true at the moment, even this moment, the reaper is drawing his wages and he's harvesting the crop for eternal life so the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you've reaped the benefits 
of their labor. This is such a good principle for you and me regarding eyes to see the goodness of God at work in the world around us that though it's bleak and dark with sin and and devastation and loss, still God has not left them alone. He's at work and he sent us to see what he's doing to join him in the harvest. He says, look, lift up your eyes and see this harvest around you is ripe. You're saying it's four months until the harvest. No, lift your eyes up and look. And if you have eyes to see that the goodness of God is free and boundless, it's all through creation. Look for what God is doing already and join him in his harvest and joyfully run into the Father's harvest. I think that's what I'm trying to say today. Now that's a perspective that we will do well to have in mind as we think of the words of that song, let all things rise and bless his name. The world was created in goodness. We in our sinfulness turned that greatness into loss and darkness. God immediately came and through his son, sown in weakness, the son of God, killed, executed on a cross, was raised in strength and glory and joy. And we get to be part of that story, a different narrative. That's the story that we get to live from and in. And through Christ in me, me in Christ. That's who you are and who I am if we've come to the cross and said, I see it now. I've had it revealed. I was sinful. I turn from my sins because the kingdom of God has come. I turn to you, Jesus. Wash me by your blood. Fill me with your spirit and enable me to partner with you in bringing the kingdom of God to my people in my generation. Amen. That's what I think we are supposed to say today. Whenever you see the goodness of God at work in someone's life, it's fairly natural to help them find the source of that goodness and walk fully into it. Listen, if I find someone who is not yet in Christ Jesus, who has kindness, I can say, wow, that was kind what you just did. Do you know that that's the kindness of God at work in your life? They likely will have a light bulb go, yeah, that's right. Do you know that you can actually be in relationship with him who is kindness? Would you like to know more about him? Do you know the story of Jesus? Do you know the story of creation? Of the Redeemer God? Of the Abba Father? Of all the things that you said you think of when you think about the Father? And help someone Join the family of God. Help someone become a lover of Jesus because if they can see Jesus, it's hard not to love him. If we can see Jesus, it's hard not to love him. Having loved him, it's our job to invite people to follow him with their lives and to join with the people that follow him. 